Welcome to the 27th episode of All of the Above, a weekly podcast about design, code, and learning. Each week, an instructional designer, a user experience designer, and a software engineer take apart the world one topic at a time. My name is Brian Brush, and as always, I am joined by my co-hosts, Sam Bantner. Hello, everybody. And Sean Duran. Hi. So this week, we're going to be discussing a bit about WWDC 2015. Just um, a bit, though. Yeah, and just a bit. So we're sort of taking some highlights that we noticed during the keynote presentation and just going to discuss those. So rather than give everyone just a rundown of all of the stuff that they talked about, um, which will, I guess, to, if you want to hear that or see that, we'll link to some potentially other shows that talked about it um, or some articles that wrote about everything that they discussed. But instead, we're just going to try to hone in on just a few things. Um, so for those that aren't familiar with WWDC, I'm going to see if maybe uh, our software engineer of the group, Sam, can break down what, what this conference is for us. Uh, WWDC is the Worldwide Developer Conference, also abbreviated to WWDC, which makes it a lot easier to say than WWDC or Worldwide Developer Conference. So WWDC is... Apple's yearly conference where they get all their developers together and release a ton of new APIs and frameworks and all kinds of cool stuff for developers of Mac, iOS, and now the Apple Watch. And Safari extensions, which now you have to be <laughs> part of the developer program to make an extension for Safari. Yep. Yeah. Yep. For that very niche group of uh, people out there. So to sort of jump into it, um, we're going to go through some of the things kind of in order as to how they were presented. But like I said, we're just focusing in on some key items. So one of the things that had stood out to me when watching the conference was the introduction of a yet another default iOS app, uh, which is called News. So with iOS 9, Apple's releasing a news app, which means that they're also abandoning the rather useless Newsstand app and instead introducing what is essentially their approach to an RSS reader. So Newsstand, as we had actually discussed in, I believe it was episode 14 with Jacob Tinder, was sort of a complete failure. It was an attempt to take magazines and force them into a digital environment within iOS, and that did not work so well. And meanwhile, many of us have continued to use RSS as the main way to, to subscribe to news websites, blogs, and other online articles. Or people just use Facebook and just find articles that their friends post and then just read it that way. Yeah, just the, the endless cycle of clickbait articles. You'll never believe what this 14-year-old drama queen did, that sort of thing. And there are uh, articles out there that give you templates on how to make these fabulous titles that just put in the subject, the number of items that you're going to put in the article. And then uh, there you go. You got yourself some eyeballs. So the the news app will again, just be essentially an RSS reader. So you'll open it up and sort of express some of your interests and things that you would like to see articles about. So say you're interested in technology and science and um, cricket, you may be able to choose those all as options um, or Russian politics is another one. Yes. But uh, you'll input all of that. It'll give you websites and articles to read through, but it will format them in a really pretty way that is reminiscent a 
bit of Flipboard. So I'm sure the developers over at Flipboard are muttering under their breath in a little bit of fear right now, knowing that Apple has one uh, app that's default, so probably a lot of their user base is going to end up using it, and two, one that looks rather pretty and elegant, so it may end up working pretty well. So this news app will, and the news publisher format will allow publishers to make their articles look really beautiful within iOS, um, have these sort of interactions with video playback and galleries that are uh, easy to scroll through, uh, mosaic views for photos, um, and as they said in the keynote, cool little springy thingies. <laughs> it's how I wish like a, a very dumbed down iBooks author should work. That's what I was thinking as I was looking at this. So Sean and I actually were able to, because it's really easy to sign up to be a news publisher, almost maybe too easy. Yeah, I clicked a link and then it took five minutes to fill out the form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Sean and I were both able to sign up for it incredibly quickly while prepping for this episode. Um, and you just type in what your RSS feed is and then you're set to go, which also makes me wonder if somebody else could just grab my RSS feed and then claim to be me. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious how that's going to play out like if somebody tries to steal all the glory of somebody else's writing yeah and claim and all that uh i add uh revenue that you can add in which they didn't show in the keynote but yeah yeah because so that's one of the things that i guess i want to ask you guys about or I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on is that during the keynote, they acted like it was just any other RSS uh, reader where, yes, it's going to have these beautiful layouts, but it's just going to present the articles and then you move on. And they never once talked about ads and they didn't show any ads on stage. But if you actually go read the documentation, uh, they have the ability to drop in iAds, which is how you can monetize it. So it's free to sign up for the, to be a publisher for news, but you can plug in those iAds, Apple will get a kickback of the some of it, and then you will get the rest. Um, so I'm curious as to what you guys feel about this monetization strategy and how you feel about maybe the slightly misleading presentation where they didn't discuss ads at all. Um, so Sean, what are your thoughts to that? It's like on the heels of uh, the Facebook instant articles where they roughly did the same thing, uh, just natively in within Facebook, they partnered up with a couple different news sources and did the same thing. They took in the articles themselves and then presented them in a really nice way. And it seemed to be like preloaded as well. So that way, if you tap on an article to read it, it's already there rather than waiting for the article to load and everything like that. But yeah, the idea of uh, the ads aspect, uh, the fact that they didn't mention it is like, oh, I guess, I mean, it makes for a better uh, visual presentation. So that way you're like, oh, yeah, now there's there's all that cruft in the way. Uh, but it, it's interesting. It's uh, it's not like podcasts where they let you just submit in an audio RSS feed and then they just give that link out to people. You're still giving them an RSS feed. They're giving you a, sort of a platform to also monetize that, which they don't do with podcasts. So it's a it's a interesting take. And unlike podcasts, which are really all you have to do is just create an audio file and then push that out onto your RSS feed, the Apple News app is going to require that you author the content in a new format, um, particularly for this news app, which is simply called Apple News Format. Um, so you can do custom typography and these photo galleries and animations and everything that I had mentioned. And then from there, that's how it'll be able to show up in the news app. And you won't have to sort of read 
do all of your work for both like an iPhone six and an iPhone five and an iPad mini. Once you author a single time, it will optimize it for all iOS devices. Um, so it's not quite as free running as podcasts are where it's open to everyone and you don't have to use a proprietary format. Apple news does require this sort of new format, um, in order to be able to publish your information, but it seems like it's going to be super easy to create and, and distribute. Yeah. And then how do you, uh, Mr. Sam, I know that you, uh, <laughs> have a love, uh, hate maybe relationship with newsstand and how news, uh, sort of kicks it to the curb, <laughs> how that all plays out. I hate newsstand and any news reader app and RSS feeds and everything about this because to me, all of this feels like just a way to keep publishers in the game. And I've learned to hate publishers over the past year. (laughs) (laughs) So thank God the newsstand is gone. Newsstand does need to die its last death. I I also love the way that they've removed newsstand. So whenever you actually get iOS 9, it just turns newsstand into a folder called newsstand. And it has whatever... (laughs) apps that were originally inside of newsstand in that folder which is really all that it ever was it was just a glorified folder but sam i'm curious since i know you may not like the sort of larger publishers the apple news format is also as sean and i have learned from the ease in which we were able to sign up for an account open for smaller bloggers as well do you think this will at all be beneficial for them we'll see a lot of bloggers are looking for a format a lot of people go with wordpress or there's plenty of others out there and there's like a new standard coming out every day that everyone should jump on so it seems like apple is trying to cut through the tape and just like say hey here's our platform but with that and it being apple and it being on ios there's no other way to consume it except through apple's proprietary format which i think might be the downfall of this kind of like newsstand and any other thing that they came up with before that yeah it's taking like the open web and then repackaging it (laughs) it seems like it's like this stuff exists outside of here yeah yeah that was my other thought is so since like Facebook's instant articles or whatever came out, I think like 42 articles got published and then no more were published after that because everyone realized it was an awful idea. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it just came to a complete standstill. Huh. Um, but that's sort of my fear with this Apple news app is while it looks really beautiful, if I am a writer or even if I work for like a major publisher, I'm having to tell my writers, okay, you write this article, format it all nice for a website, and then we're also going to have to then take that and redo it once more just for this Apple News app. And then if we decide to go to one of these other proprietary apps that's out there, because it also has a large user base and we have to do it yet again, and I feel like eventually publishers, both large and small and even individual users, will just get fed up and go back to just making their website and then allowing an RSS uh, reader to pull the text out and dump it into an RSS. RSS app. So I just, I'm not sure I'm entirely sold on the idea for the news app. It looks beautiful and it's nice that they're trying to get sort of a a nice, pretty way for their users to access news instead of having to dig through the thousands of apps that are out there. But I just, I'm not sure it's going to succeed. I think it may be yet another failure like Newsstand was. Uh, But yeah. And then it reminds me of, um, it visually looks like dig.com. Like there's, yeah. yeah. It, it, I mean, it's just white and black and with a photo. So, <laughs> I mean, there isn't much to go off of there, but it looks like that mixed with Flipboard and uh, iBooks author-esque all together. And then the content guidelines, uh, 
they're still writing them. So we don't know how much actual work will have to be done to make them the articles that go in there look as good as the, the Rashida Jones uh, demo article that they showed up there. Or I'm, I'm also wondering just text-based. Uh, like they, <laughs> they specifically called out Daring Fireball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like all the beautiful imagery in that. <laughs> just <laughs> Yeah, because Mark, Marco Armit had a, a very nice tweet in response to that. So those not familiar with Daring Fireball, it is literally just text on a gray, grayish colored page. Um, and that's all it is. There are a lot of quotes and a lot of links to other websites, but it's just text. There might be an image or two a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it just, it with them talking about how they have all these beautiful ways to display photos and everything, it, and then they reference Daring Fireball on stage, it just seemed like they didn't fully think out how blogs that are purely textual will function on the device. But I will give the app some credit in its sort of approach to discovery. So like I said, you select the topics that you're interested in, but it also learns what you're actually truly interested in the more that you use the app. Um, so it will notice, okay, you've been skipping over these articles about, say, education, but you're always clicking on the articles about biology. So we'll start feeding you more biology news articles and getting rid of the other stuff that's maybe not as much of an interest to you. Uh, so that is nice and wonderful, yeah. but I feel like it can still be accomplished through just an RSS reader that recognizes, okay, you're doing the same thing over here and we aren't a proprietary format. Yeah, I know there's a like a, an app called Nuzzle that does some of the mm -hmm. same stuff, and uh, I'm, it's sort of interesting uh, for my topic is the music, and they are really hammering on the human curation of everything, and they're like, oh, it's not algorithmically done. It's like people are choosing the next song, song, and uh, then before that happened, the news thing, they're like, yeah, we have a uh, nice algorithms that. <laughs> <laughs> look at everything I'm like okay yeah i i understand both sides of the thing but you can't really knock both like yeah they have to work together it was just a it just wasn't uh, the most congruent uh, thought that yeah. happened yeah so that sort of i feel hits on news really well um but in some other big news that really interested sam there was some discussion on swift so um I'm going to let Sam introduce that discussion for us because yeah. he is our software engineer and will know a lot more. And this is one of the only things that actually excited him from this keynote. So Sam, tell us all about Swift 2.0. And don't hold back. Like, I know we made fun of you for the whole algorithms with uh, the maps thing, but <laughs> do, do the same thing. <laughs> all right. So Swift is a modern programming language that's safe, fast, and interactive. All right, next topic. <laughs> <laughs> no, so Swift is a, a programming language that's kind of has the syntax of a scripting language. So it's very human readable. It's still not perfect. There's a lot of weird things about it. But the cool thing about all the weird and imperfections in it is uh, they're constantly updated. Swift came out several months ago and is now at version 2.0. Every version that Apple has released has produced significant upgrades, which is great, but Swift is only on Apple devices, so iOS and Mac. Since yesterday, or June 8th, 
Apple has announced that they are open sourcing the language, which is great. Open sourcing a language happens and stuff happens from that. C was open sourced and C++ was the predecessor, the next big thing from that. And C++ failed horribly. Java is open source. And from that came C Sharp and .NET. And both of those kind of failed miserably. So we're hoping here with Swift and Apple actually having the reins that they can take this language that they're open sourcing and make it into something great that we can use on the web, on other platforms, and hopefully it doesn't die off kind of like these other languages did. They're open sourcing the language itself and the compiler. So a computer uses a compiler to kind of take all the code and make sense of it so it can run on that specific device. So iOS has a compiler, Mac has a compiler. They need compilers for different things for this to be fully open source. So the web needs a compiler. We'll need one for Windows, for Linux, for Android, for pretty much everything. And then we can start developing things in a universal language. But since it's open source, that means people are going to take it and kind of turn it into their own thing. And then that's where languages like Go and R and all kinds of weird languages out there. That's where they come from. So hopefully Apple really has a good handle on this and they can do good things with the open source. For those who are wondering maybe just how serious Apple is about Swift, Craig Federighi mentioned during the keynote that he thinks Swift is going to be the language that they'll be developing upon for the next 20 years. So that's a pretty hefty amount of time, and that's a pretty big claim from a a company as large as Apple to say, like, this is what all of our energy is going to be focused on and how we think uh, we and many, many others are going, or the language that we and many, many others are going to be programming with. Um, So it seems like it's a a pretty big deal from Apple, and they have been a lot more open with Swift, not even in terms of just being open source, but a lot more open open in Swift about its development and responding to feedback from users. So they even have a um, blog. Yeah, Sam just recently noticed a blog. Um, So you can actually see updates that they're posting there. During the keynote, they said, you know, we've listened to everyone's feedback and we've addressed a lot of the major requests that you guys have had in Swift 2.0. So just from the very, very recent release of Swift 1.0, I guess we would call it, to the release of Swift 2.0, that's been a short time frame between the two, but they've already listened to a lot of feedback and added a lot of uh, sort of features that were requested. So it seems like they're really heavily invested in this. But Sam, I'm curious how, I know you've been doing some development within Swift. Do you feel outside of some of the weird things that maybe still need corrected? Do you feel confident in the language thus far and where it's headed? Yeah, the language itself is very simple. Uh, Anybody who does any sort of web programming can probably pick it up pretty easily. Uh, It's just the object-oriented part that a lot of people don't understand, but that's just people getting into more modern languages. And there is a, a object-oriented, you know, web development. It's yeah, there a, is. <laughs> it's not as common. Most people, they just do whatever they want. Yeah, most web development is not object-oriented. It's out there, and people use it, uh, but it's not as commonplace. Even things that are developed nowadays aren't as object-oriented as they should be. Mm-hmm. Apple was really the first one to kind of push that with Objective-C, and uh, Android kind of still, is. they're getting there with Java and the recent move to C++. It sounds like there's a bit of confidence in it. I know I've also seen quite a few articles out there, and Apple even mentioned this on stage where it's suggesting that Swift is the most sort of 
quickly adopted language. Um, so while a lot of languages typically when introduced take a very long time to develop a large user base, Swift has already seen an insane number of people start developing in it. Uh, so I'm hoping that's a sign that now with them going open source and everything that it won't fall victim to what the others, other languages that you had mentioned earlier did where they went open source and then quickly kind of fizzled out in terms of popularity. I'm also just wondering like, uh, how many apps have already been developed like with purely Swift or just parts of Swift? Um, Cause I know they highlighted some during the keynote, but I don't know how many are actually floating out there. Yeah. I don't know if I saw a number either. Um, so that might be something we may have to look up and see if we can include a link to in our show notes, which uh, for anyone looking to find those show notes, if you are using a podcast player on your phone or uh, like iPod, you can just go ahead and scroll on the screen there and you'll be able to see our show notes. But if you would like to see those on the web, uh, developed not with an object-oriented approach, apparently, uh, <laughs> you can head to alloftheaboveaudio slash episodes slash 27, and you'll be able to see links to everything that we're discussing as we go through this episode here. And hopefully we'll be able to find an answer to that question for you guys and get it posted up yes i, j I just went to the swift website and there's a uh they highlight mm, eight but there's there was a lot more out there like get the images <laughs> yes. clear linkedin um because that app is so good <laughs> <laughs> not a hint of sarcasm in your voice it's not like it's wrong <laughs> i was gonna highlight one thing but <laughs> Um, but I, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to blame the people that are developing it. There could be just the people that are making it probably aren't like, I don't, there's probably things going on. I, I can't judge. I'm outside. I'm just saying when I use it, I want to do things with it in the back of an alley with a shotgun. <laughs> Which someday in the future, we may actually discuss LinkedIn a little bit more in detail because while Sean and I both hate it, Sam has a different opinion than us. Huh. Interesting. Sam seems to think it's wonderful. Haters can hate. All right. <laughs> I, I will hate. And actually, that brings me to a topic. Apple Music. More money, more problems. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I feel like that is a nice catchphrase for the whole Apple Music 30-40-minute uh, rant, uh, dad dancing, uh, just music upon music for 15 seconds at a time. And people that were like somewhat unprepared and not getting jokes and oh jeez, it was bad. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really bad. It was disastrous. It was so bad. Like the the content itself, like the presentation of it, made the content even more confusing. Like it, it, it nothing helped anybody. <laughs> No, and so I actually felt like this keynote, everything about it right up until the Apple Music discussion was solid. There were some new presenters on stage. They were a little nervous. You could tell that in the, the way that they delivered their message, but it was still focused and clearly communicated. It's just that they themselves and their voice and their personality didn't shine through as much as you would maybe like from a keynote. But overall, everything was organized and well done. Once it hit Apple Music, it took a crazy turn. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, with Apple Music, it Ping 2.0 uh, is thrown out there. <laughs> it's uh, so this is what they said. Uh, it's it's music. It's a 24/7 radio station, and you can connect with you know your artists that you like. 
Yeah, which is, so this sort of breakdown of three, I don't know if you're going to mention this, Sean, uh, harkens to Mm -hmm. when Steve Jobs first introduced the iPhone. Yep. An iPod, a phone, and an internet communicator. An iPod, a phone. Are you getting it? These are not three separate devices. This is one device. And we are calling it iPhone. And then Jimmy Iveen, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. It just said uh, it's three things. It's a revolutionary music service. But it didn't say it like that. I feel like that would be the right cadence of that to get the joke across but (laughs) he said it like there are three things it's a revolutionary music service then pauses people laugh a little bit waiting for like the punchline and then he looks back (laughs) he's like oh i guess there's that's it there's no what are the two other things but he didn't say that that was like the internal monologue going on in his head (laughs) so yeah that was just the presentation layer uh the, the actual stuff that they were talking about, like they were showing the music app and how it was redesigned and everything is everywhere. Um, it, it wasn't very clear. Like your music is on the device, but it's also streaming. But what is your music? I'm not sure. Um, I guess it's all your music. What is music? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that from like a experience standpoint confuses me a lot so mm-hmm. i have one of my gripes with spotify and beats and these other streaming services which i've ended up using is that there was no way to like import hey here are all of the artists that you already have purchased music from say in itunes and we're going to add those to like all the ones that you've saved in our streaming service um, and that's sort of what apple's trying to solve saying like hey you already have all of this stuff in itunes so we're going to automatically still show that for you and then you can pay for apple music and access the entire itunes catalog but then you can save songs from the catalog to your music and so very quickly that all gets muddled and i no longer know like what do i own versus what i don't own and should i still care about what i own yeah i mean if we shouldn't care what we own cool tell me (laughs) but on the onset i really don't know because i also have itunes match i'm like why other than the fact like some of the songs don't live within the iTunes catalog. If everything I own is through iTunes, why there's no reason to use iTunes match, iTunes match, which is fine, but they didn't really address that at all either. And then just the UI of everything was also, it didn't help anything because everything was roughly new and things were everywhere and there was circles some places. <laughs> yeah. Um, which also didn't help just explain what was happening. And looking through the site and the, the keynote again, uh, like I, I can guess at lots of stuff, but until I have it in my hands and mess around with it, I could I can't really explain it to my parents. Like, I guess that's a, what it boils down to. And I don't know if maybe just streaming music services apparently are incredibly complicated to develop UIs for, but like Spotify just got awful. And I'm also like using their sort of beta that they're testing with like the new Spotify running and all of that. And they just made it even worse. Um, <laughs> but then I look at Apple and them essentially taking beats, which they had acquired and plugging that into the music app. And then also adding radio, 
into mm-hmm. the music app and all of these things, it now just seems like it's also a crowded, confusing interface. And there are so many layers that slide over top of each other. And mm-hmm. you never know like how deep you are into a, a set of layers. Like it just gets really confusing and I'm kind of terrified of it. <laughs> um, that said though, like I'm excited to have the ability to access the entire iTunes catalog. Yeah. That's not bad. That's yeah. 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 <laughs> I just, I don't know if I'll continue to be excited once I actually start using a credit UI. Yeah. And then the radio aspect and how they have um, like Zane Lowe from the BBC or I think mm. one radio or one something. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I forget the lady's name and I also forget the other guy's name. So, that that all helps <laughs> but they exist and it's like they said it's like the first wor- worldwide 24 7 radio station which uh like i, don't, I feel like that's wrong uh I, I feel like serious xm <laughs> like that in itself like there was something before that but that was like a satellite thing um but yeah the the yeah it's interesting like it's going to be curated there will actually be djs instead of just listening to itunes radio right now which is just pre-populated playlists that learn what you like by telling it by looking at your skips and what you love and your genius recommendations i'm guessing um so yeah, that's it's an interesting one yeah, the other thing that confused me a little bit with the whole radio idea is the DJs that they selected are incredible and are really well known for picking amazing new artists or amazing like traditional classic albums that everyone came to love and either playing them all the way through or bringing those artists on to have amazing interviews and discussions about the the songs that are on those records. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're really good at creating just a mesh of a lot of different music to appeal to everyone. Yeah, But uh, in the advertising for this radio service, they made a big deal out of the fact that like they'll be in London, Brooklyn, and somewhere else. And like, why the hell do I care? Like they could be in their office or their bedroom, like we are recording this podcast. And as long as they're putting good music out and great interviews out, that's all I care about. Like, I don't care that they're in Brooklyn and London. So I don't know why for a worldwide service, it's important where they are. Um, I guess it's more just harkening back to like, the music industry itself. Um, just like they're the big hubs, like, oh yeah, New York, LA, and I guess London. So uh, so Ebro Darden <laughs> is the New York guy. And then Julia Ednuga, really butchering that name, but she's the, <laughs> the London gal. Um, so, yeah. Those will be interesting. And the fact that there's only one, like they're probably going to have like beats two or three or four in different radio, but they're just going to start off with one, which sort of makes sense though, that they don't like get in over their heads and like, oh, this doesn't really make sense. So, <laughs> yeah. but then you're limited. Like if I want to, it just depends on like what kind of music that they're going to play. De- depends on them, the people that are going to be listening to that. And it, otherwise I'm then relegated to, I guess, the subs. The, the other radio stations that aren't um, DJed. The ones that go back to being algorithmic again. Mm-hmm. But that does tie into uh, one of the other features that you're, they're introducing with Apple Music, which is sort of essentially just being stolen from Beats, which they had acquired, which is the curated playlists mm-hmm. that are also based off of the music that you listen to. So instead of just having the algorithms, it actually has some people behind the scenes putting these things together so did you want to talk some to that sean i mean yeah it just goes in the direct opposite way of the news <laughs> how yeah. that that's curated um and 
it makes sense. Like having a person pick out the next song is great. That's why people pay thousands upon thousands of dollars for great DJs at uh, clubs because they control the energy. They pretty much control the show. If they play on a really bad song or two in a row, it kills the vibe and people don't pay for the drinks. So it, it, they're pretty much giving the party, the room, the energy. Uh, so having that uh, just one layer abstracted, having it just a person out there looking somehow at your stuff, or <laughs> I don't know how they do that, uh, but just picking songs in an order that makes sense uh, can be great. It, I don't, I haven't had any experience with the Beats music uh, to see how great of an experience that is having a human curation, but I feel like it could be a great thing. It just, I, it doesn't really scale 100% well and things like that. Yeah, so Beats music, I did, I did like their free trial of um i ended up not sticking with it because it didn't have some of the connectivity features like being able to sync to the rarely ever visited last.fm third-party plugins weren't available it didn't have a desktop app so it had a lot of limitations which is why i ended up not fully subscribing to it but i loved the crap out of the playlist that it suggested to me and i could definitely feel that there was much more of a human touch there it wasn't just saying hey this is a similar beats per minute under a similar genre um it was actually like that song perfectly flowed into this other one or there's clear clearly some sort of um like lyrical motif that's being done in this collection or things like uh here is music that inspired this other band that you love and it's mm -hmm. a playlist just of that um, and so those sorts of things and the fact that it was altering its recommendations for me based upon what i was listening to seemed a, a heck of a lot better than what i've gotten through streaming services like spotify or rdo because that uh, it reminds me of uh there's a npr show called all songs considered instead of all things considered mm -hmm. um and they just had a the last show was like a mini show and they were talking about how they were they grew up in an era where like the 70s and 80s they went out and got albums and like they sat down with the album as they were listening to it and they had the huge cover and they liked the physical appeal of that and the, the artwork and how they the liner notes and everything like that but they loved this the great uh, affordances that digital music streaming service ha have to offer and they were talking about the same roughly the same thing where they're like i, I want to have songs that are inspired by this person or who's the guitarist of this uh, band right now? What other bands has this guy been in? Make a playlist of just that stuff. Uh, so you can see all of this one particular guitarist, even if he's like a, a session musician, you can do that. That was like their wish list of just wanting that, like the metadata, uh, just exploring everything and anything that uh, you could attach to a song, whether that be influenced by or actual members or people that were uh, like the LA rock scene, just in the same geolocation uh so interesting stuff but then the final sort of thing that they introduced with apple's music as sean had alluded to earlier is sort of uh, sean called it ping 2.0 which hurts my soul um <laughs> So Ping is, I still consider one of, although dead, one of the best social networks for me at least. Um, but they, with Apple Music, they picked the entirely wrong half of Ping to focus on. So with <laughs> Apple Music, they're focusing on Connect, which is a way for artists, whether they be somebody who is uh, published through a major label or somebody who is just out of their basement creating music. Um, it allows them to connect with listeners so they can 
post images, they can post video, sound recordings, uh, just written text, mm-hmm. um, and be able to communicate, hey, this is what I'm working on, this is what we're doing in the studio, um, here's a, a demo of this new song that I'm putting together, here's just a riff or the bridge that we've been assembling for this new track, and it allows you to connect with your audience, and the audience can then comment on those, which I'm curious how that's going to look and how crazy that could get. Um, it allows people to quickly share those posts with others and the artists, they're not just locked into the post within Apple music. If they create the post there, they can then also distribute that simultaneously from my understanding to Twitter and Facebook Mm -hmm. and eventually maybe other social networks. Um, but I don't care so much about that because I already follow those artists through my preferred choice. So whether it be through Twitter or, uh, just an email newsletter and Apple tried to suggest in the keynote that like that was a confusing process picking how to keep up to date with your artist and I don't Mm. really agree with that maybe for some people but like I find the preferred way that I like to hear from an artist and I'm fine with that but the social aspect that I had hoped they would bring back with this sort of connect feature would be me being able to follow what my friends are listening to send song suggestions to them uh, post on like a timeline of music that I'm listening to so that they can see all right here's what Brian's been listening to and his comments on these songs and that is a feature that was in both beats music it's Something that you find in Spotify. I believe it's also in RDO, but they did not include it in Apple Music. So I'm not entirely sure their whole crazy pitch about Connect is really clearly thought out. And I think they picked the wrong thing to focus on. And as a sign of perhaps how poorly thought out this was, there was the presentation by Drake on stage at the keynote. Drake, it didn't seem like him him and Jimmy, uh, I mean, did not really prepare. They were like, I, I'm, I'm used to just winging it, just coming out here. And <laughs> it really showed. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know, like, it was about him and how he wanted... To become like a superstar, like someone in his country to become a superstar, and he's from Canada or his uh, at least his town, which which didn't he say it was Toronto uh, or or Ontario? One of the two. I'm I'm not sure. I just know that he's from Canada. Yeah. I was like, okay, I, I mean, have you heard of Celine Dion or something like that? Um, but yeah, sure. <laughs> Rush? I don't, they might be yeah. famous. Um, I mean, William Shatner? Yeah. I, <laughs> he has a record. Yeah. So that was, I was like, okay, cool. Even if that makes no sense, keep going. And then he just kept going. And he's like, yeah, I want to connect with my fans and my team for like the past five years, something, something. I'm like, okay, well, how does this relate to um, connect? <laughs> at all or uh, like this whole story yeah because i think his whole argument was like that he one claims he was on the forefront of connecting with fans directly instead of connecting with them through advertising and a major publisher which i'm i'm also not entirely sure is correct and then his other argument was that like a tool like connect will allow you to interact with fans and self-advertise in an effective way that will make you a superstar and i also don't think that's necessarily correct either yeah and letting you focus on like your craft rather than just the marketing side but i don't anyway that was the presentation um i'm just gonna forget that happened but yes Drake. <laughs> but i wish he had a cool jacket at least <laughs> Yeah, that was about the only thing that I took away from that was that I want that Apple jacket. (laughs) 
Yeah, it was like a I don't know, from the eighties, uh, just an Apple jacket that uh, some Apple developer had and sold on eBay, and he bought it. That 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 was the best story of all the things that he said. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, with Connect, it it seems more. It's aimed at either super fans that just want to consume anything and everything. I don't know how well it will do like with the people just in the middle like ah, i like this band I, they don't really go out and discover new music they just listen to things if their friends teach tell them anything about it but i don't know how many people will venture into this connect tab and look up things and it, the people that won't use it obviously they, they won't use it anyway they won't, there's no real swaying them but it seems more also geared towards the super fans but also the artists themselves as a, a way of simplifying uh like the whole social media management of everything uh and also electronic press kits that bands have to usually put together and send out to uh venues just for shows and it could help with that and then it helps apple as well because it's like hey we let you publish this out all to the like twitter and facebook but if they click the link they'll it'll be taken back to itunes which then you can mm-hmm. buy music but it's not really buying it like they don't really want you to buy music it seems more like oh yeah you just subscribe for 10 bucks or if you have a family plan uh, it's only 15 bucks a month which up to six people which is a bit ridiculous although that does make me think to probably the most interesting part of the announcement of apple music to me um which there were actually two that really stood out one of those is that anybody from the looks of it the way they're describing it anybody who is making music will be able to publish that music into this apple music environment Mm -hmm. and share that so that's cool you don't have to go through all the hassle of, of finding somebody to help you get it into iTunes or trying to upload it to iTunes yourself yeah. and then trying to get people to buy it, so on and so forth. But the other real interesting thing is those links where they're saying, hey, check out my new song or whatever, um, are linking you back to Apple Music, which is going to be an app available for Android as well. Oh, yeah. And Windows, which... That was a surprising one. I thought for sure they wouldn't have a Windows <laughs> yeah. um, phone version. So that, I think, is perhaps one of the like biggest changes looking at Apple is that if they're opening up for other platforms and, and actually pushing their apps out onto those, that tells me they're maybe like far more invested into Apple Music than I initially thought they would be. Mm-hmm. Because if they're willing to break outside of the traditional, super tightly controlled ecosystem um, and put their application on another platform that seems like a a pretty big deal and i think it could have a huge effect like i think it could catch on pretty well because there are plenty of people i know who have android devices but have always purchased their music through itunes Mm -hmm. and so they've had to go through the crazy obnoxious sync process to get their music onto their android device or heaven forbid their windows phone yeah and they also released like a migration app for android so it's like hey install this and then it's easy to go over to iOS, which was also surprising. Not related to music, but yeah. yeah. Cool. Anything else? Yeah, I think that hit sort of those three things that stood out to all of us within this keynote. But again, there was a lot more there. So we'll also have a link to uh, Apple's website, which is probably fairly easy to get to without our link. But mm. we'll include a link to the keynote on there as well. But this is normally the part of the show where we go to our final thought. So Sam, if you're still there, since I know you've gone quiet, do you have a final thought for us? The Cleveland Cavaliers are about to play. (laughs) 
So that concludes the 27th episode of All of the Above. Thank you again for listening. Uh, if you want to see those show notes that we've been talking about, you can again head on over to alloftheabove.audio slash episode slash 27. And as always, we want to hear your feedback. You can find how to get in touch with us by going to alloftheabove.audio slash contact. But the easiest way to get in touch is through Twitter, where we can be found at Above Podcast. That's how Devin Halliday, who suggested we talk about Drake's god-awful presentation, reached out to us. So thank you for reaching out to us that way, Devin. Finally, if you're enjoying the show and want to help us out, you can head into iTunes to leave a review. The easiest way to get there is by going to alloftheabove.audio slash review. That helps others find the show, and it just means the world to us, even if it's not a perfect five stars. But we'll look forward to joining you all next week when we discuss fitness. In the meantime, go throw a Eddie Q dance party.